Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you're with us, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's your boy Kyle. I'm here with your boy Matthew. Yeah, not Borgen Betts this time. Matthew, how are you? Matthew and Kyle, huh? I don't even know who you are as Kyle. Uh, you're Borg, that's it. Uh, yes, and today I had someone reach out to me on Twitter and they, they said, Hey, Matthew. Uh, which is totally fine. I go by that, but it was very strange because I just feel like in the in the fantasy space, I'm bets. Uh, so I was like taken back by it by by a minute there. So this this is the second time today it's actually happened. So yeah, we'll go with that tonight. I, I expect you to call me Matthew the rest of the show. Matthew is is your formal name at dinner parties. It's usually how you introduce yourself. And so I know we've been to a lot of dinner parties together over the years. Uh, I used to be a teacher in high school, and so Mr. Borgannoni was something I was called a lot, or Mr. B. But I was like 22 at the time, and so it was kind of weird to like hear somebody call me Mr. when I felt like I was like, yeah, I don't know, four or five years older than my students. <laughs> That's true. You're like, I am basically the same age as you, so just call me Kyle. Or did you have You're, him call you Borg? Uh, it was so weird because I, I wanted to just be Kyle, but obviously as a public school teacher, like that just sounds like I'm hanging out with the students all the time. The weird part was my brother was actually a student at the school. And so, like, all of his friends I've known for a very long time. They had called me Kyle their whole lives. So it was, uh, it was a weird time. But I went by Mr. B, and I, I thought that that stuck. Do you want people, like, when you're in physical therapy mode, do you want them to call you doctor? Or, like, you know, do you have an official name? Oh, if anyone walks in the door and they say, hey, Matthew, how's it going? I say, you need to turn around right now. You come back in. You, you show some respect. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. There is kind of this idea in the PT space, at least in the outpatient sports world, which is where I work, that if you go by doctor, like it's sort of like a no, no kind of thing. Like, don't <laughs> just don't do it. And if anyone's out there, that's a PT that's listening and you prefer that way. That's fine. But to me, I'm I think it's so funny that people kind of refer to us to like, you know, I see patients are like, well, you're a doctor, right? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, kind of, but like, I don't know what's like, I don't know why you're ill. Like, I, I can't help you with that, you know? So I don't feel like a doctor, but of course, my mom, and my grandma tell me that all the time. They're like, well, my grandson's a doctor, so he's so smart. Uh, no, I, I do not go by doctor at work. And if, if Monica, you tried to pull down on Monica, she'd be like, get that out of here. You're not a doctor. I know who you are at home. Oh, um, she would make fun of me so, so much if I went by that at work. Yeah, you can't do that. We're glad you're with us. This is DFS for the rest of us. And during the off season, if you're like, why the heck are you guys talking about DFS in June? Well, this is best ball season. Betts and I got our tank tops on. It's the summer of best ball. We are ready to work through strategy, talk through, you know, how we construct our lineups. This week, we're going to specifically focus on stacking. We didn't even get to that last week, Betts, when talking about strategy. So we're going to do a whole episode on stacking. We're going to get into the mailbag. We're also going to kind of tease tees at the very end of this episode bets something we got special coming up next week so i'm purposely putting that there so that people will listen you know to this next segment this quick question bets that's honestly it's 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 sponsored by chili's and the the official restaurant of the show man (laughs) so sidebar real quick i've had quite the day bets you know my job as (laughs) you've been killing it man 
as the content manager for the fans footballers is wide ranging. I spent time looking at tight end regression candidates. Uh, we did, I updated some of our best ball rankings. Uh, you know, I've just been looking at different things, but I also have been tweeting with Chili's today because I'm pretty sure bets that there is a disproportionate amount of people that have gone on a first date to Chili's. Am I crazy? Uh, no, because Chili's is the restaurant for first dates. Um, we had a couple people reach out, you know, back to you. I was following along the thread very intently today, which by the way, uh, hats off at getting the, the official verified Chili's account to tweet back to you probably like what, 80 times today. Um, but someone said, Hey, that's where I met my wife. And we obviously now are married and we, we had our first date there. So yeah, Chili's just where you fall in love, man. And, and that's, that's the reality. So yes, I have had a first date at Chili's. Chili's love is, is a different kind of love people. It's a two for 20 kind of love which helps helps the budget. And you might pay for it later in some regards, but Chili's is a magical place. Um, I went on my first date there with my wife, but the sad part is, is that in college, I actually took like three or four other girls on first dates. So my wife hates <laughs> that fact a ton. It's that was uh, Kyle's go-to. <laughs> it really was. And so the quick question, sponsor, probably going to be sponsored. I mean, we're really close on social media these days at Chili's. Um, is about Julio Jones, and we're going to kind of spin it a different way. I'm sure everyone's heard everybody and their mama react. As a Falcons fan, I'm sad. My son asked the question, why are the Falcons so rude to do this? Like that was his, his comment was, that's so rude. So with Julio getting traded bets, you and I have talked a lot about the Falcons in terms of futures and win totals. We've also talked about the Titans as a team that we didn't like, we actually have an under bet of nine and a half. So, Bets, what is your reaction on Julio in terms of the betting markets? And does that change your opinion totally? Are we sunk? Did we just throw some money in the fire? I'm with your son in that I think this is so rude. Like, are they not listening to the show and understand that we have you know, money invested, hard-earned money invested in both of these scenarios, not only for the Falcons, but also for the Titans. And Julio leaving the Falcons and going to the Titans was basically worst-case scenario for our bankrolls. But that's okay. I'm not jumping ship on the bet yet. Um, and here's why. I think that the price was so mispriced for the Falcons already that essentially, you know, with Julio leaving, like, this kind of feels right. So I'm not sure I would have bet it if it was, you know, no Julio and this line where currently it's still at seven and a half in some places. Uh, and the juice moved a little bit. So it went from like minus 145. I saw it down to like 130. So it's kind of shocking. Like Julio is such a wins above replacement type of player. He's such a difference maker. I was shocked. I thought it would drop to seven, six and a half, maybe something like that. So the fact that it didn't move, I feel pretty conf confident about it. So I, I still like the bet on the over for the Falcons. We talked about the division, you know, having some regression and not being very good. Still like that. For the Titans, still, you know, like Tulio is a difference maker, but outside of those two guys, it's still extremely thin all across on the offensive, you know, pass catchers and weapons and things like that. And then you look at the defense, Julio Jones is not playing defense. This defense is still going to be bottom 10 in most categories. Last year, they gave up the most, uh, eighth most points to opposing offenses. So yeah, there's still a lot that could go in our favor here. Uh, if you're asking me if I would prefer Julio to stay on the Falcons, the answer is yes. I'm already up to my eyeballs in Matt Ryan and Julio stacks in best ball, which are now no longer stacks. We'll talk about <laughs> that next. But um, yes, I'm still having the faith here with these two bets. Yeah, the non-correlated Matt Ryan, Julio Jones stacks. Um, I'll just say 
when you and I were talking about the Falcons, it's when the lines came out. So we were quick to move at over seven and we got it at minus 143. So I still like it in terms of, I think they can push bets. Like I think we can get a seven and 10 season for my boys. And <laughs> how sad is that? <laughs> I know seven and 10 and I win my money back. No, but we also need to remember the Falcons. If you want to go back and listen to that win totals pod, we weren't just saying, I like this team, you know, or I'm a homer. Like, the Falcons play a fourth place schedule. They have the Lions. They have the Jaguars on their schedule. Like they have teams that they can win. And then in division, if they just go 500, I think they can do it. They were leading the Buccaneers in both their games against them last year. So still like uh, the Falcons. I do have them at plus 300 to make the playoffs. That's not looking so good right now. Um, and then we have the Titans under nine and a half at minus 150. And I'll just echo what you're saying. I, I don't think this is a bad bet. It's just a bet that I wouldn't make anymore. And this team is just still hyper fragile. Like who do you think between those top options, like means the most, if somebody went down for an injury, if it was Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill, let's just say those two guys. Cause you can't really project that with AJ Brown or, or Julio, like one of those two might, but who means more in terms of the win total? Is it Tannehill or Henry? This is going to be shocking. Given that this is a fantasy show. Uh, but to me, it's it's Ryan Tannehill. Um, how good he has been over the last couple of seasons in Tennessee, I feel like you can't really put into words. Like you're like, oh yeah, it's Ryan Tannehill. Like he's fine. No, he's been awesome for that team. Like rejuvenated his career, um, rejuvenated the team. Yes, Derrick Henry is the identity on offense, but we can't forget like things are changing pretty rapidly there, losing Arthur Smith. Um, and so if he goes down, like is the offense going to be the same as it was last year? I'm not even sure. So clearly he would be a huge loss, but I can't, I'm trying to look real quick. I don't even know who their backup quarterback is right now. Do you know? It was Logan Woodruff, and then it was Deshaun Kaiser uh, was oh, the backup no. for a while. So it's, yes, it's rough. If, if Tannehill goes goes down, it's over. Yeah, and, and I think that's the right answer in terms of just their team makeup and whatnot. I'll say this about Tannehill. He's obviously mobile, knows how to escape the pocket. Pass protection-wise, he's been super lucky in terms of his sack rate for not getting injured. And we never project that, but it is piling up and it is concerning to me. So I'm not bullish on the Titans. I, I thought that the lines would move a little bit more and that you'd get the Colts for plus money to win the division. Like I would take that, but right now they were, last time I checked, they were both plus 110. And that's not enough for me to say, I like the Titans or like the Colts. Um, so there's that. And then I just need to mention our boy, Anthony, Paul Ferkser, the Ferk Daddy, that hype train bets is uh it's gone. It's off the tracks. Let's pour one out for the Ferk Daddy. It's just it's not quite there for a Gary Barnage type season. I think if Julio wouldn't have been there, I would have been more in on him being the tight end too. But yeah, I mean, sure, tight end three in best ball, maybe, but are you are you done with him? I think so. Yep. It, <laughs> I think so. Dude, yeah, it was a good week. What a week it was for Anthony Paul Ferkser. There, he probably had like at least two people buy his jersey thanks to our show. And we already have the you know the agreement. If one of us wins the millie, the other person's getting the Anthony Paul Ferkser oh, jersey. Right. So it's hey, it could still happen. Um, but yes, I am I am out right now on Ferkser. Uh, the the only argument really was like who else is catching the football? That who else is Mr. Julio Jones? There's nobody else too in the backfield. Like it's Darrington Evans. Jeremy McNichols maybe but like they just don't throw the ball to the running backs either so it's a pretty concentrated uh target tree in terms of who's there so 
Yep, Titans will be interesting team. I'm surprised. I thought people would just kind of go overboard with this move. I think Julio's worth, I don't know, half a win, you know, maybe not even a full win in terms of their, you know, projections, which may sound crazy to people, but that's just how war works and how it works with players. So I will be interested. These teams play each other week one in the preseason, which is like gutting me. When I saw Julio practicing in a Titans jersey, I was like, what universe am I in? So that'll be interesting. If you want to go to iTunes and subscribe and review, we would be very, very happy. I'm going to read bets, one of those reviews, and we're going to start doing this a little bit more on the show because we've gotten some people give some good feedback. If you leave a review, you get the opportunity to play in a three-man best ball with me and bets. So you can take our money and we will set up a private best ball just between the three of us and have a grand old time. So, Betts, have you done any of those three-man best balls yet? I have not, but they are a fun challenge because the strategy changes a lot in terms of, you know, like every every person's roster looks sick at the end of it because you're only three teams taking what you normally be 12, but they're a lot of fun. Um, there is a different strategy associated with it, so I would love to play with you guys. Like Kyle said, just drop us a little rating and review and let us know you did. Hit us up on Twitter and we'll get it set up. This one's from Swifty7325. He said, best DFS podcast around, Bets and Borgs, part of the Fantasy Footballers family, put out the best DFS podcast, hands down. Their chemistry is fantastic, knowledge is off the charts, and they're just a fun listen. You hear that, Bets? We're just a fun. We're pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty cool. We're a pretty cool group to hang out with, so we're glad you're listening to us. If you want to go online, our best ball rankings are live as part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus Bets and I get to update those. So with the Julio news, we got to update our rankings and it's live and it's there. We're going to start putting out more and more best ball content in terms of articles and strategies, um, but it will actually be a part of the ultimate draft kit. So we've been giving out tons of this for free. Obviously, this podcast is for free. So if you want to get in on everything we do for the summer of best ball, then get the ultimate draft kit plus with the DFS pass a part of it. But Let's talk about best ball stacking. Best ball bonanza. Yes, we are talking about best ball. And last episode, Bets, you and I talked about general strategy. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, we talked about some of the, the mindsets that you need. You and I quoted a little bit, some Dolly Parton, you know, some Michael Scott. So that's what kind of we're doing. But today, you and I are showcasing our range on the subject of stacking. So I'm calling this section, Bets, Brawn, Brains, and Battlestar Galactica. So I love that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good little segment here talking about stacking. So let's just give a brief overview. I'll let you start us off about the robust, the this is the bronze section, the robust benefits of why stacking in best ball makes sense. So we'll just start just in the simplest form. Yeah, sure. Uh, for those that are not aware, and most people are at this point, but stacking essentially just means that you are taking, most of the time, a quarterback with a pass catcher, whether it be a wide receiver, a tight end, and you can even include running backs. So basically you're just saying, I'm going to put my quarterback with someone on his own team. The benefits of doing this, and we'll go into way more detail, but higher level, basically the idea is like, okay, if, if this quarterback and this team are successful, then most pieces on the offense and most pieces of this team are also successful. So basically it's like, okay, if let's say, for example, 
Patrick Mahomes has a great year in fantasy, and I'm t- I'm taking that a left field. It probably won't happen, you know. But it, let's just say if if Patrick Mahomes is good, um, then obviously it elevates Tyree Kill, it elevates Travis Kelsey, it elevates Clyde Edwards-Helaire. That is an example of how stacking kind of gets you above other people that you're drafting against that don't stack. You're basically saying, okay, I need like one or two things to go right for this to work. In this extreme example, and obviously it's the easiest one to make, but in this example, I need Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to have a great year. It's it's likely. But if someone else is like, okay, well, I'm taking Josh Allen and then I'm going to take like Michael Thomas, like what happens if things go wrong for Michael Thomas? Like the ceiling doesn't get there the way it does if you would stack Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, for example. So basically what I'm trying to say is that when an offense does well, everyone does well, and it really helps you to kind of elevate your ceiling because you have more pieces of exposure to that same offense relative to a team that you're playing against that does not. And with best ball, it's a weekly game, obviously, but because you're not setting your lineups, you're asking what is the optimal outcome and stacks, generally speaking, we do this all the time in DFS, like they're setting you up to have the highest ceiling, the highest range of outcomes possible. And because you can't always predict that with best ball, you're trying to set yourself up to say, you know what, it probably is not going to be Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay as the top stack every week, but there are going to be weeks where Kenny Galladay is a top five wide receiver and Daniel Jones is top five. Like that's, that's what you're setting yourself up for to hit those high weeks and it is important, like you said, it's all of the pass catchers. Usually we think about stacking with wide receivers, but tight ends correlate really well. It's actually where I love stacking the most. If I can just get my tight end correlated, then I'm setting myself up for those boom weeks because tight ends basically catch touchdowns, especially the weaker ones or nothing. But running backs is something that I'm coming around to a little bit more, Bets. Do you find yourself taking that kind of strategy too, like running backs and quarterbacks? Is there anybody that you've, had so far in best ball that you're like, I've liked this running back quarterback stack. Yeah. One that comes to mind off the top of my head is a cowboy stack with Dak Zeke, who I think is a massive value. You guys have heard me say that before. And then on top of that, one of the the wide receivers, or if you're lucky to get two, great, go for it. But one of the wide receivers, you know, Gallup is a huge value. Um, CD lamb is kind of the new hotness. Amari Cooper is kind of hanging around in the third, fourth round of best ball leagues. So that's a stack that I like. And, you know, you may say to yourself, like, Betts, okay, I don't know if, if Dak is going to throw the ball to, to Zeke a ton. What you're saying with this quote-unquote bet of going all in on the Cowboys is that you just have a lot of confidence in the offense. Basically, simply put, if the team does well, all of the skill players are going to do well, or most of them are going to do, the ones that we care about. Um, sorry for the fourth string wide receiver in Dallas, uh, but everyone else is going to do well that we care about. So you're basically trying to, to again, get fewer things correct and just kind of get those couple things correct. So if, if the Cowboys do well, certainly it's because of Dak, it's because of Zeke, it's because of Amari, etc. So you kind of want to put your your eggs in a basket, so to speak, if you're stacking to go in an offense that you like. So I like the 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 Zach, uh, the Zach, <laughs> the Zeke and Dak stacks this year, which I feel like not a lot of people are doing. Dude, what's funny is I was literally about to talk about someone named Zach. So I thought you were stealing my point. So no, maybe I had no idea. we're picking up on something. Last year, Zach Moss was probably a player. If you drafted maybe in a zero RB draft, you were like, ugh, that was bad. Like he didn't do so hot. But if you stacked him with Josh Allen, those two together had a 21% win rate. Like that's really high. That's really good. And you may not think of like the boom games with Zach Moss, but when you coupled him together you basically said 
if the Bills have a good game, then I, I have the offense. I have the quarterback and I have the running back. Now, don't do that for every single team, but just if there's value, like Zach Moss was somebody you could get, you know, seventh, eighth round last year. And same thing with Josh Allen late. That was a valuable stack that you could get later and get a little different, especially in a big tournament. So don't forget about running backs when it comes to stacking. And I'll give some more information on that in a little bit. But if the offense does well, if they put up 40 points, everybody in the offense can eat. And it may not be every single week, but it happens. The thing that I'm most interested bets is everybody's stacking these days. Like everyone knows that it's a strategy where maybe four or five years ago, it was still a concept, and now you're seeing everybody do it. Michael Leone with Establish the Run, I know you're a big fan too. He looked at every single team in underdog last year. Okay. So that's kind of a that's a large data set. 92% of all the teams in underdog last year had at least one stacked player. Like they had a roster where people were stacking. So basically, in a 12-man league, 10 or 11 teams have a stack. So does that scare you off a little bit? Or is that just like, hey, this is kind of like optimal in the same way we all figured out late round quarterback is just, that's okay. It's okay that we're mostly doing this. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't want to be the one in that 12 person league not doing it um, because we just know the win rates are so much lower in when you're not doing it. So it's almost like, you know, and sometimes in DFS, we talk about trying to get contrarian you know, everyone's in on player A this week, let's go to player B, or everyone's in on the running back, let's check out the wide receivers. This is not that scenario. Like, it is, the data has been shown that stacking is very, very, very beneficial, especially in best ball leagues. So you don't want to be the one that's not doing it. I am almost, I'm, I'm trying to create a stack in every every draft I do. It doesn't necessarily mean, and we'll talk about this soon, I'm sure, that I'm like trying to reach super far to make sure it happens beyond ADP, but I'm trying to kind of let that draft fall to me and then go from there. But yes, I want to be stacking in every single draft that I'm doing. I wrote down here that stacking is essential, but it's not plan A. In the sense of roster construction, I think is what you and I care about the most. Like how many tight ends, how many quarterbacks do you have? If you have three of each, you probably did it wrong. You know, you need to have seven, eight, nine wide receivers, like minimum, you have to in order to put yourself in a position to do really well. So quarterbacks, I think, is kind of the place where people try to complete the stack is like, okay, I got, you know, this person early. Let's say I got Calvin Ridley early. I need to get Matt Ryan. I have to get Matt Ryan. I need, Oh, I, if I wait too long, I'm not going to get Matt Ryan. And so people sometimes reach, but teams that draft three quarterbacks, and if you're reaching, you're kind of drawing dead because you're getting them in an ADP that's not that great. So is that what you would say, like, just let them fall to you? Or do you go and saying, I'm having this stack? I think it depends on the team. And what I mean by that is sort of like, you know, if you're targeting, let's say, or not targeting, but again, we always, the ballers say it too, like, let the draft fall to you. Let Stay water. You don't have a strategy going in. You, you kind of let the draft happen and then you adjust. So let's say, for example, um, you get Steph Diggs. You're excited. You're like, man, I love the Bills this year. And all of a sudden you're in like round three. I'm not taking Josh Allen in round three. I'm okay to miss. I'm okay to miss because Stefan Diggs is still a good wide receiver who's going to put up a ton of fantasy points. But let's say all of a sudden, you know, round four, round five, I'm like, oh, T. Higgins is on the board. Sweet. So is Tyler Boyd in round six. Awesome. There's Joe Burrow sitting in round nine. Like you kind of just let things unfold. Like I didn't go into this draft being like, I'm stacking the Bengals this year. 
I didn't go into the draft saying I'm stacking the bills. You, you just let it kind of happen. And I kind of do what you exactly what you said. I'm letting, you know, the high value picks come first. Running backs, wide receivers, maybe the elite tight ends. And then I'm kind of saying, okay, here's the three or four wide receivers I have, which quarterbacks are left and how can I get them on my roster to make the stack happen instead of vice versa, where I feel like a lot of people are like, all right, it's all about the quarterback. I got to make sure I have it. And if you do that, actually, historically, win rates drop pretty exponentially, actually, if you're reaching like two and if you reach three rounds, it's really, really bad to do for that quarterback. So definitely don't reach. Let the draft come to you to let your stack come to you. And that's for big tournaments. So the ones that Bets and I play in, Best Ball Mania, $25 entry, million-dollar prize that Bets and I are going to take home, you know, and we're going to buy a Chili's. No, you probably couldn't buy a franchise of Chili's. <laughs> Dang it. But we'll go out for dinner. Dang it. We will do it. <laughs> we'll get that two for 20. That's it. What are you guys going to do with the Millie? Well, we we bought a Ferkser jersey. We bought matching Ferkser jerseys, and we went to Chili's. And then we got a second meal as takeout for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> we were just thinking about <laughs> thinking ahead. But yeah, when you're when you're in these big tournaments, it really does matter where you're drafting that person. Because let's say you did get digs and you reached around on Josh Allen. There could be someone else that has digs and they have Josh Allen in the fifth round and you passed up a ton of value and your stack actually isn't as valuable. Now, in a 12 man best ball that you're doing where Bets and I are taking your money and it's fun go for it. It's actually not, you know, it's not as egregious, but we say, let the stacks fall to you. I think it's much, uh, much better there, but let's, let's go from the brawn, the robustness of talking about stacking to let's go with the brains bets. This section is called nerd alert. And I feel like you accuse me sometimes of being a nerd bets. Maybe, maybe I have, um, you're, you're what they call in the industry, a, a spreadsheet bro. I mean, oh. you're posting all the time on your on your Twitter at Kyle underscore Borg. Different colors, they're color coded, they're sorted by different things. It's too much for me, man. Just tell me who the best players are to draft. That's all I need to know. You know, the the colors are fun when you get to do conditional formatting on sheets. Woo! That, that <laughs> now we're talking. That gets me going. That that sounds like a good date right there. Better than Chili's. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to bring attention really quickly a couple of stats that make us think about stacking differently than even DFS or even how we think about it in redraft leagues. And we have a good article on the website from Matt DeSorbo, one of our new writers. It's called Stick to Stacking. But Betts, he looked at stacking data for the last 20 years. <laughs> so that's that's a lot of data there. I mean, that that gets me going. That's a data scrape. That is, that's impressive. That is really impressive. He only looked at the quarterbacks and wide receivers because it just would have taken way too much. So focus on quarterbacks and wide receivers. And he basically said... If you stacked a quarterback and a wide receiver, how much of the time did they boom, like go over 40 points combined, or how much did they bust? They go under 20%. And stacking was better on the boom rate, but worse on the bust rate. And I think that's just intuitive. Like you're swinging for the fences. So in DFS, that's what we're doing for tournaments. You know, we're, we're swinging for the fences for, for that. But with best ball, you have to take a different approach because you can't just swap out your lineup. Like think about in a redraft. If you said, I want digs and I want Allen this week, that's awesome. But you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. Now last year, ride that the whole year. But let's say you went with like, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devonte Parker that might've hit. That also could have been an easy bust. So we have to think about it differently in best ball. And in terms of stacking, 
do you think there's that huge pendulum where like people don't realize like, hey, it's not just every stack hits, it's like the first or worst. Like that's what you're going for. So do you think we can get risky knowing that stacks kind of have that pendulum swing? I think so. Yeah, and we talked about that, you know, just in general on uh, maybe two shows ago on the pod. Like when we're talking about best ball, like you, you're you're embracing the the known downside of some of these picks because you're trying to get different. You're trying to, you know, especially in these tournaments, like you're trying to basically create a stack that's different than someone else or create stacks that are. Uh, maybe less rostered. They don't have to be super different, but just less rostered. Um, and so you know that, like, if I stack, let's say, this year, the the one I've kind of been getting late in drafts, I like the Washington football team. I'm getting Fitz. Everyone knows about Terry McLaurin. Everyone knows about Curtis Samuel. I've got a little bit of, of Fitz with um, Logan Thomas and Deami Brown, the rookie out of North Carolina. I know in my heart the probability of that hitting is not that high. But if it does... The stack potential there uh, helps to give me some, you know, upside relative to other people that aren't doing it, essentially. So, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we all know stacking is beneficial, but we all know that in best ball, because we we're trying to do it so much that there's just more more areas for error, basically, is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the opportunity cost obviously is different from a redraft league. Like in my best ball, it's gonna set my lineup for me. So if the stack hits, it hits. And if it doesn't hit, all right, well, I've got another quarterback in, you know, there that's going to hopefully get me some points and it's totally fine. Like I'm not depending on this stack to hit every single week. You are asking yourself to say, is this stack going to give me the range of outcomes that's different from other people? So there's some really good websites. I'll just point um, your attention to fantasyevaluator.com. That's Sam Hoppin, big fan, like that guy a lot. Um, and then Yards Per Fantasy is a newer website in the last two years, but they've got some great data about best ball, best ball win rates. And it's just interesting to see different combinations. So I mentioned that Josh Allen and Zach Moss combination in redraft leagues bets, those two had negative correlation. Imagine starting Zach Moss and Josh Allen every single week. Like Josh Allen, you'd be super happy. And Zach Moss, you'd be like, this sucks. Why, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> why This is pain. Why am I doing this? Well, in best ball, it, wor- it worked. Now, I know your ball blast girls, I know that Kate and Michelle, they love some Zach Moss. They still like Zach Moss? Yeah, they're crazy. Hey I, hey, I respect them sticking to their guns, but they had negative correlation, those two. But then I mentioned earlier, a 21% win rate in best ball. That's elite. Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry. If you would have played them last year, there's a little bit of correlation. They actually were fine, but 19 and a half uh, win percentage, which is awesome. Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, same thing. Negative correlation if you played them in redraft. But in best ball, they had a 17%. So just realize it's different. The stacking data is different. You have to think about it differently than you would redraft. Um, any, Any last thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a perfect example. Those three stacks, those three quarterbacks, running backs, the best takeaway for listeners is just look at those teams. The Bills, their offense was awesome. The Titans, their offense was amazing. Uh, who's the last stack here? The Vikings, they had an awesome offense last year. Like You just want to invest stacks or invest a lot, or multiple players, I should say, multiple from the same team in those really good offenses. And in general, in best ball, that's what works. Rather than being so fixated on, I need 
A plus B to equal C. You basically just need to say, like, uh, these are the offenses I trust. I want to go all in on them, and it'll work. And clearly, those three are perfect examples of that. All right, one more section in here. We talked about the brains. We talked about the brawn. But now I want to talk about Battlescarred Galactica. And what I'm referring to, of course, is our friend Dwight Schrute. And this section is called the Dwight Schrute Litmus Test of Idiocy. So in other words, Bets, I want to figure out... Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. <laughs> That's the thing, Bets. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I, know. I wanted to idiot-proof this thing. If people heard the first two sections and they're like, okay, I get stacking. Okay, you gave some statistics. I need you to idiot-proof this. I had a friend that used to say this all the time. He goes, I know everyone else doesn't understand this, and I do, but can you idiot-proof it this for them? So, um, Bets, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You tell me if I'm an idiot related to stacking, okay? This is the, the right. idiot idiot test here. Question one, what happens if I don't end up stacking my quarterback with someone else? Am I a dummy? So, let's say you have two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, and one of those quarterbacks has no one that they are attached to. Am I a dummy? It's not ideal. It's not ideal. However... What I'm going to say is going to be very contradictory to what I said earlier, where I said I don't want to leave my drafts without stacks. But that does not mean that I'm sacrificing good draft strategy just to get a set a stack for the sake of having one. What I mean by that is like you'll see rosters all the time where you're in like, you know, round eight, nine, and like you look across your people that you're playing against, all of a sudden a, a player selected and you're like, what? Yesterday, I took him in the 13th round. Like, what is this guy doing? And it's usually Kyle. Um, and you look and you're like, is the ADP different? Does things change? No, that person is reaching to try to create a stack. And that significant reach actually is more detrimental to your team, the data shows in win rates, than just not having a stack at all, basically. So I am trying to stack actively, but I'm not forcing it, essentially. We talked about that earlier. So you're not a dummy. It's not ideal, but you're you're not a dummy. You're actually kind of silly to do the, the the scenario I said where you're reaching like two, three, four rounds to try to get the stack. So let it come to you. I'll also add that if you have a quarterback that runs the ball, completely okay if you have somebody. So I don't love stacking Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. Like it's just not something that like I want to pay that much. Like Hopkins in the second and I don't know, Kyler in the fourth. I've had a draft where Kyler dropped to the sixth and I didn't have Hopkins. And I said, okay, well, I'm going with Kyler and I'm just going to have two quarterbacks and not have to think about this. It's going to help the rest of my build. So if you have a quarterback that runs and obviously with a ceiling like Kyler, who was basically the quarterback one the entire season up until week 17, then I think it's totally fine. All right, question two, bets. Please don't call me an idiot here, but how do I zig... If everyone else is stacking and not zig in an idiot way. <laughs> All right, man, you put this up on a tee for me here. Um, yes, don't be an idiot. When you are trying to, you know, be different, like get unique. People always think that it's like so bad to leave your draft with like, I'm trying to think of a good example um, of stacks that are different. Like, let's think about last year, like who hit last year? In terms of of wide receivers that you like, were, oh man, Marvin I did not Jones, that. right? Marvin Jones. No one wanted to stack Matthew Stafford with Marvin Jones. 
No one was excited about that. No one was like, sweet, dude, look at this underdog draft of Marvin Jones. Again, except for Kyle, because it's unique. It's different. You know, everyone is stacking Josh Allen with Steph Diggs. Everyone is stacking Pat Mahomes with Kelsey and Hill. Everyone is trying to stack except for Kyle, Kyler, and DeAndre (laughs) Hopkins. Like, that is not going to, if you just do that in your draft, that doesn't win it for you. Because so did, if you're in a tournament, so did 500 thousand something other people right like so many people are doing that stack so it's okay to have that i'm not saying don't do it but you need to kind of think about how can i get unique with this stack and not just be like okay i've got that i'm good because so does the other person sitting next to you if you're going to try to get unique you know obviously you want the quarterback one and the the wide receiver one for a team like that's what you want in terms of production the win rate that had the most success in terms of highest upside i'm not saying they were safe but the highest win rate was if you got the quarterback one, the wide receiver one, and the wide receiver four of that team. And the reason why that makes sense is because the wide receiver four, you were probably taken with your last pick. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, let's say you had the Packers you know, this year, and you're like, okay, who is their wide receiver four this year? I don't know. What do you think, Betts? I mean, it's either the rookie out of Clemson, or it's probably MBS. Yeah, it could be Lazard. It could be Devin Funches. Like, it could be any of those guys. In terms of draft costs, like, Lazard and Funches is way down there in terms of draft costs. Like, that wouldn't be the worst way to go about it. To say to yourself, I drafted the Packers and I said, I got Adams, I got Rodgers because apparently he's staying there and I got their fourth wide receiver. Like, that's how you get different. And it doesn't cost you anything if Lazard catches, you know, Lazard had like three weeks last year that he was usable, but he was actually a good player for fantasy because he was so cheap. So getting unique is important. Don't try to just think so far outside the box. Like people have thought of these scenarios. They've, they figured it out. But um, another kind of combination, if you want, if, if you really want to think a little different is if you get a running back on the team the RB one. And then you also get their wide receiver three. You may think like, that's not really correlated. Like obviously if the wide receiver scores a touchdown, the running backs not going to, but you're saying I like this offense and people won't think about it that way. So I've done a couple drafts where I've had Travis ETN and I've had like LaVisca or Marvin Jones as the wide receiver three. And it doesn't seem like it's correlated, but last year it was actually a nine and a half percent win rate so it's actually pretty good considering you don't even have the quarterback it's uh saying the jags are going to score but any uh last thoughts on that one no i'm just going to bring it up one more time to like really make sure our listeners kind of have that point it's it's the offense that's what we care about like is this offense going to be good and if they are everyone's going to roll so that's exactly what you're saying there with the running back and wide receiver correlating even though we don't think about it that way thank you for idiot proofing this thing we don't have idiots that listen to the show, but those people out there that have friends, they're trying to do this for their friends. And that's that's what you really care about, Bets. Like you care about the people. Absolutely. That All and right. chilies. <laughs> I'm here for the chilies. I'm here for chilies to DM me, to slide my DMs and say, hey, I got you a coupon. And it's probably gonna be free chips and salsa, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, which they give out for everyone. I know you could sign up right now and get on their email list. Come on, Chili's. I need something more than that. Uh, Bets, I don't have a mailbag drop for us today. I really wish I did, but I do want to get to a couple of different mailbag questions. So 
if we had a mailbag drop, it would just go right here and we would kill it. Oh, we oh my gosh, time. it would have been so good. You would have done it probably. I definitely would have done it. All right, a couple of mailbag questions we threw out on Twitter about stacking and specifically best ball and bets. You are, I'll read them out to you, but I mean, you're the answer, man. You're the doctor here. So this one comes from a boy at Kamish Overkill who actually joined one of our best balls recently. Um, he was drafting right next to me actually. But he said, when drafting from the 108 to 112 range, so the back of the first round, is it worth the opportunity cost to stack Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes if you're with your first and third round picks? So Hill is going in that range. With Mahomes, his ADP is a little bit further behind there. So what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's totally okay. I mean, obviously, we know that those two are going to correlate very well. We like the Chiefs. It, it makes a ton of sense. To do that, you are definitely giving up the running backs that we feel really confident about. So you're you're when you do this, you're saying I'm taking a zero RB approach. That's just the way it is, and that's okay. Now, for me, I don't love doing this in normal twelve team leagues. Um, I just feel like you know the security and the safety of those running backs is just so important that in those like normal twelve man leagues, I don't do it. But yeah, if you're playing in the underdog, you know, best all mania or a huge tournament, it's totally fine. Uh, because again, everyone else is taking running backs early. So I think this is totally fine. I think the opportunity cost question can be a concern in terms of giving up so much draft capital to do it. But we have seen years where Patrick Mahomes elevates so far above the rest of the field that if you didn't have Mahomes, like you were kind of scrambling for quarterback essentially. So I think it's feasible. Obviously, we've seen the ceiling. I think this year, though, it's not my preferred strategy because we have so many rushing quarterbacks that are sort of catching up to the insane playmaking ability of Mahomes that I don't find myself doing it. But again, in a huge tournament, anything goes. Yeah. I'm not really wanting to do that this year because of the opportunity cost. I'm with you bets. I also think if there's one stack that everybody wants, it's the chief stack. Like, you know, everyone, it's not a secret to anyone. So if you're doing best ball mania, I'm with bets. It's doable. Just realize everybody and their mama and even players that aren't like pros are looking at that stack and saying, I want the chief stack. They're the best in the league. Um, and it really does matter who you get in the second round. If you get a running back that is legit, um, I don't know if Cam Akers or Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones, like in that range, then I think you're fine. I think you can do it, but it's not really my cup of tea in the third round. I'll take Mahomes in the fourth and, uh, I'll feel fine. I actually have a couple of Mahomes stacks in best ball mania, where it's not correlated with Tyreek or Kelsey. And I did that on purpose so that I have a stack that is different from everyone else. Um, I have C, I have a stack with CEH and Patrick Mahomes that um, I feel pretty good about, and it's kind of fun. And then I have uh, a little bit cheaper later. I have like a Demarcus Robinson. So I went that route just to get different. I like it. All right. Let's go with this next question at JTH727. Very specific number to this person. How bad, (laughs) this is an idiot proof question, I guess. How bad of an idea is a four player stack of best ball? I kind of fell into it, but I got Antonio Gibson. I ended up with our boy, Curtis Samuel, who you and I love Logan Thomas, and then picked up Fitz as my second QB. Is this a bad idea? This is not a bad idea. I actually really like this idea. Again, more for those top heavy payout tournaments where you really want to have, you know, a lot of this correlation just elevate you to the top of the ceiling to get there really basically. So 
Um, I don't I don't hate it at all. I actually like it quite a bit. And again, as I've said already, it's it's investing in the offenses that you believe in. You know, if you think Washington's going to be a good team this year and there's got a lot of pieces to be excited about, yeah, let's say they come out and they go what, 10 and I don't even know what the 10 and 7. That's going to mess me up all year. 10 and 7 in the 17 game season. They've got a great, you know, top 10 offense like you're going to be extremely excited with this stack to have all these pieces. So, I think it's a good idea in those top heavy tournaments. In normal 12-person leagues, I'm not actively trying to get four-player stacks. I think it's fine. It's not necessarily a don't-do. I just think I prefer to kind of go about that route if I'm going to be in these like higher-paying, uh, you know, top-heavy tournaments. I am going to disagree. Oh, all right. And and it's not so much that the idea of a four-player stack is wrong. I think you're getting good value. Like if I think about where these players are, you know, Gibson, you probably got him in the second round. Curtis Samuel's going around wide receiver 40. Logan Thomas is, you know, around tight end 12, 13, 14. Like, I think it's fine. Like, you're getting value on it. I'm just more down on Washington. And I'm really down on Logan Thomas. And I'm kind of down on fits compared to bets. Like, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, so, I'm not saying that they're a train wreck. But it's just not a stack that I'm personally interested in. Which makes it sound like... <laughs> I made it sound like it was a Shark Tank pitch. Where I'm like, and for those reasons... <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much did. But I'm willing to do the deal. So send me a message. <laughs> Next one is from at SK Stephen H. He says, why is MVS going for practically free in the last round? Am I wrong for thinking he will have decent enough year to produce a three or four start worthy weeks? This is a great last round pick. Absolutely love it. We just talked about the Packers and, you know, JJ Zacharyson has done a lot of good research kind of looking at like ambiguous, ambigu- what's the word? Ambiguity? I can't even say it. Ambigui. No, ambiguous. <laughs> no, but like the ambiguous Am- situations, but there's ambiguity? there's a noun for that. Ambiguity. Thank you. God, I'm an idiot. Um, the ambiguous situations create ways to find lots of value because no one's sure. No one knows. Is it Lazard? Is it MVS? Is it the rookie out of Clemson? Is it Devin Funches? Like Amari we all know Rogers. it's Devontae Adams, but no one exactly Mari Rogers. But no one knows like who is going to be the wide receiver two or three. And so again, in these kind of t- tournaments where you want to get different or you have Aaron Rodgers to create a stack, I think MVS is a totally fine late round pick. We've seen him have these huge like two for sixty and two touchdown games, um, or even better out of nowhere. So yeah, MVS is also a player I feel like in general people are just like, eh, he's not that good, sort of thing. But Hey, it's fast and get downfield, have those big splash plays. So I, I definitely like that last round pick. I think with last round picks, you're not going to find an argument from me or bets to say, don't take this player. It's 18th round. Like we looked at last week, there are win rates for players that score zero points in the 18th round. And it's basically just because of roster construction. So if you're getting him as your ninth wide receiver and you have Aaron Rodgers, then I think it's totally fine. You've seen MVS do that. I haven't taken him anywhere. I think we know what he is. But yeah, I think you have the right expectation. You said, can he give me three or four start-worthy weeks? If you get that out of your 18th round pick, like you're plus EV, you're doing great. So I think you have the right perspective, Steven. Um, I think you understand it. All right, last question here. It's from at CJ Howlvy 21 He says, do you value point totals more or just overall offensive talent when it comes to stacking players from certain teams? 
So my understanding of the question is basically asking, do we value the offense as a whole more or the individual components of the offense in terms of like what we project them to score points? Is that how you take it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it again. For me, it's all about the offense. Um, now, with the caveat of like, if I already have my offense that I kind of have stacked and I'm between two guys that I just like the player's value more in terms of one guy versus the other, I'm going to take that guy. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of maybe a player that we like in fantasy on a not so great offense that we're super excited about, but that I wouldn't necessarily feel like I need to kind of stack. I'm trying to think like Calvin Ridley seems like a good example, right? Like I'm, I love Calvin Ridley this year in fantasy. We talked about the Falcons a lot already, but if I don't have Matt Ryan and I'm not like all in on the Falcons offense, I'm not worried about it. Right. So like, I feel like there's kind of a delicate balance. Um, but to me, if I'm specifically talking stacking, it's all about the offense. I think one of those teams is the Vikings. Like I'm okay. Just having Dalvin cook and that's it for the Vikings. I'm actually okay. Having Justin Jefferson. And if you don't get cousins, like whoop do you do? Like it's totally fine. So yeah, it's the offense. It really is. You're asking yourself who can be, you know, a top five offense, top 10. And we have an article out on the site right now. That's called NFL offenses that can make the leap from one of our writers, Nate Henry. And he highlighted the Cowboys and the chargers as two teams. Like, they could take a massive step forward in terms of touchdowns this year. Um, but let's just muse real quick. Are there any other offenses that you think, okay, I like the talent here. When I mix in the ADP, I think I'm a bit interested. So I'll throw out the Colts. I've mentioned them a lot as being the cheap offense. Like usually everyone wants Jonathan Taylor, but like, who do you think the next Colts player is in ADP after Jonathan Taylor? It's probably Michael Pittman. Yeah, it's either Pittman or T.Y. Hilton, and you can get them as your wide receiver five. I mean, that's that's so cheap. And then Wentz is way down there, like quarterback 26, 27. Uh, Doyle and Moali Cox are basically going undrafted. So in big tournaments, I've kind of liked the Colts as a team that nobody else wants. Hines is still interesting to me. Um, Marlon Mack, you can get with your last pick. So I like the Colts in terms of, I think they're a good team. They're projected to be about 10 wins. They can totally win that division and they're super, super cheap. So, um, I might be crazy for trusting Carson Wentz, but I think it's cause I trust Frank Reich and that's where all, that's where I'm at right now. I like it. Uh, for me, a team that comes to mind is the dolphins, right? Like they're not high up in ADP. For any of these guys, um, you talk about the wide receivers, you know, uh, Will Fuller is the highest drafted wide receiver off the board. He's going at 37 wide receiver, 37 Devontae Parker at wide receiver, 50 Jalen Waddles at wide receiver, 45. So like they're being taken. You could potentially get those guys as your wide receiver two If you go, you know, a lot of running backs early three, four, five, if you take a lot of them. So they're, they're just super late. Mike Kosicki at tight end 12 kind of seems like his floor almost. And then Tua at quarterback 18 um, and not to mention Miles Gaskin there sitting at running back 24. So like you don't have to invest a lot in the Dolphins and they have a pretty decent win total. I think it was at nine and a half last time I looked. People are kind of on the Tua now. I feel like a little bit understanding that he's way more healthy entering this offseason than he was last year. And all they did was surround him with a ton of speed and, and talent. So uh, I like that stack because, again, it's different. And it's not going to cost me a lot to get it. I think one of the things I'll do, bets. this is another spreadsheet endeavor, but I'm going to map out for each team, just for our listeners and for you, bets, because I need, know you need a little cheat sheet. Yes, uh, I do. 
every single team and where you can get every single player. So where can you get this team's RB2? You know, where can you get Naeem Hines? Where can you get Salvin Ahmed of the uh, of the Dolphins? And kind of compare and look at different stacks and say, like you mentioned, like the Dolphins are, they're kind of cheap. I think people don't know what to do with those wide receivers. And that can be an awesome buy opportunity if you pick the right one. So I'll, I'll do that for you guys because I kind of want to do it for myself just to visually see in front of me where you can get every single person. But before we close the show, Bets, if you want to scroll down on our show doc, I would love for you to read this last little tweet. Um, it's not really a question. He actually started off our boy Jimbo Sherm, uh, Jimmy Sherman. He actually started off and said no question, but he wanted to give a comment, and I thought you would do a, a better job than me explaining this or maybe just reading it off. I, I'm still not sure, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to Jimmy. Jimmy is uh, an OG listener of ours. He's super, super supportive. So thank you for the comment, Jimmy. You're the man. He said to the tweet that I put out asking for questions, he said, no question. I just want to say that y'all are simply the bets. Yes, spelled B-E-T-Z like my last name. I also love the way that Kyle pronounces words that end with T. It is so delicate and soothing, yet succinct and final. I know exactly what th- when the word ends and the next one begins. I mean, that is just awesome. Like, I, and I don't even know what he's talking about. And I, I'm trying to like listen to you talk, and I feel like I can't identify it. So you're gonna have to let me know, Jimmy, what's going on here because this is this is just too good. Yeah, he described my voice as uh, <laughs> delicate, soothing, <laughs> yet succinct. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that little t- at the there end. There it is. Yes, delicate, is. soothing, succinct, and final. I mentioned bets. This is like a body wash. For women or something like that's the way <laughs> that's the way that it just my voice is apparently just too smooth man hey you is there anyone out there that's had a better day on twitter i mean come on this comment the chilies you know conversations back and forth like it's just you've had an all-time day so i think you're done for the week and, you know and for that bets we're going to close on the show but i wanted to mention if you listen to the very end like we teased uh bets and i next week are doing a live best ball for the podcast and so we wanted to give you the opportunity as listeners to be a part of that best ball draft so bets and i will be doing a 12 man 30 seconds so pretty quick draft um but live on the show bets and i are going to draft as one team uh so you can take bets money but we're going to ask for if you're interested in being on we'll give you some shout outs we'll shout out your name um, and whatnot, but Betts is going to post at 9.15 Eastern time next week. He's going to give a link on Twitter, and you can join in that crew to be on the first ever Best Ball live draft on air that we get to talk about the very next day. So we get to draft it Thursday night, and then Friday morning as you're sipping your coffee, you'll be like, hey, that was a really good pick by me, and uh, you can feel pretty good about it. So any last words about that, Betts? Yes, that is all correct. I just want to make sure everyone is aware it is 9.15 p.m. next Thursday <laughs> night, Eastern. Not a.m. Not Don't sit around in the morning waiting for the link. It will not come uh, next Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you look for it on Twitter. We'll see you guys next week. Yep, can't wait to do some more best ball. Y'all have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.